Hello again, Dwayne Brummett here with Allie Alvarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Allie, good to be with you today, sir. We got some uh, outstanding guests. Yeah, I mean, not only do we have one, but we have two amazing people. I mean, so uh, we're lucky today, and whoever's watching the industry, super lucky. I mean, I'm excited about that. So uh, why don't you introduce uh, everyone and what we're going to do? Well, let me let me first introduce John Graydon, who I know for years. I mean, we go back way, way back, and I'm so excited that, uh, you know, listen, John has been instrumental in such a major shift in the martial art industry that we see now see today. And, um, you know, without him, I don't think the industry would be where it is today. I mean, he really professionalized it, got people to realize that they could be professional martial artists and um, run schools and, and run them professionally and, and have a lifestyle that you could make income and not be a poor person, you know, just because you wanted to do the right thing and teach martial arts. And, um, yeah, he's definitely been an inspiration to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. So I'm going to turn it to him and let him introduce his friend who I also know, which is uh, another amazing individual. Well, let's let John do the justice on that. Thanks very much, Ali. I remember we, you and I chatted at the 2006 Black Belt Magazine Expo. That yeah. was just a crazy weekend. That's the first time that we you know, kind of touched base and we certainly enjoyed a good friendship since then. So thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. I started training in 1974 after seeing Kung Fu movies and not going down that tired story. But I was so convinced that Taekwondo was just the ultimate self-defense because my instructor told me that the leg is a much longer and stronger weapon than the arm. So we could kill anybody before they got close enough for us to have to defend ourselves. And I was in hook, line, and sinker. I knew from that first class I was going to do that for the rest of my life. And here I am. <laughs> in that process, I drank a lot of Kool-Aid. And this is where the eye-opening experience with Chris Sutton came into play. Fast forward 40 years, and I'm in Chris's school, and I'm watching my children in the little kids' class. Chris is not teaching. He has one of his instructors teaching. So I'm watching the class, and I kind of know Chris peripherally. He's one of my uh, brother's black belts. But that's about it. I knew he was in police force. That's all I knew. So Chris then walks into the class and he taught a 10-minute anti-child abduction segment. And my jaw dropped. I turned to my wife and I said, you know, I could not have taught one minute of that. That's the best stuff I've ever heard. And let me qualify that just a little further. When I created NAPMA in 1993 or something, my first mission was to travel the country and find the best self-defense instructors I could. Instructors I could, Peyton Quinn from Rimcat, Bill Kipp from Fast Defense, those Krav Maga guys that we hear about occasionally. They made millions. Uh, CDT. So I would take these guys, put them in my magazine, put them on the stage of my convention in front of 2,000 school owners so that they could stop drinking the same Kool-Aid I'd been drinking for so long. After working with Chris, I really feel, and this is not a, a, a promise or <laughs> an obligation, but I owe thousands of dollars in refunds of tuition <laughs> to students that I told them I was going to teach them self-defense. One steps are not self-defense. So if you get a sense that I have a tremendous respect and high regard for Chris Sutton, you're right on the money. This guy is by far the best self-defense instructor I've seen. But that aside, anyone can teach you how to get out of a headlock. Not anyone can teach you to make six figures doing it. That's what Chris specializes in. Thank you, John. All right. Well, Allie, you want to start us off with uh, with Chris and uh, where we want to go with this? Well, sure. I mean, um, first off, I'd, I'd love to I'd love to ask the first question. And, and, you know, just to clarify with the people who are listening, John's introduction, you know, what what delineates or separates what you do than what people say? Like I, I, I consider myself a self-defense instructor. Um do the martial art that uh, I believe to be very effective in the street for self-defense. I taught law enforcement and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, but I agree with John. There are so many people out there. There are schools out there that don't actually even profess to teach self-defense. They say, well, we don't 
teach self-defense. And it kind of really drives me nuts because how can you teach martial arts and not teach self-defense? However, that's a good question for you. Like what makes you different than the rest, not without putting other systems down and not even bringing them up. But like, what is your perception of this whole entire concept? When I was a police officer, um, I distinctly remember getting into law enforcement uh, with decades of martial arts prior to law enforcement. When I got into law enforcement, I quickly learned what self-defense is and what it is not. You're dealing with crime and violence, real criminals and real violence. So we structured our program for dealing with that. And we don't profess to do anything else, not point taekwondo, not jujitsu, not a sport. So what we do is very, very specific. We teach men, women, children, organizations, and corporations, large and small, how to realistically defend themselves in today's world. Now, I couldn't have created this program without every ounce of my background. I was a corrections officer dealing with inmates 60 hours a week, high priority felons. I'm working in maximum security. You get to know how they think, how they walk, how they talk, how they fight. Um, it really separates what you see in movies, what you see in the dojo, um, and it it really puts a halo on what's real and what is not. What these people will go through from the people that I talk to on a daily basis are usually running the credits in their mind what will save them. Key between the fingers, kick them in the groin, I'm going to go for my weapon. My training allowed me – now, when I went from corrections to law enforcement patrol officer, deputy sheriff on the street, understanding that – uh, you owning a gun. Now, a lot, of in, a lot of instructors, if you don't have that collaboration of background, you can't fully answer the question accurately unless you want to tiptoe around it. So let's say a real estate agent says, Chris, I want to get my concealed weapons permit. Do you think that's advisable? My question then is, if a violent criminal wants to take that from you, can you hold on to it? Because I know that the number one skill with a weapon is retention. Anyone can pull the trigger. I've seen kids pull the trigger and, and bad things happen. It's can you they, they show you they sit you in a room and they show you cops dying in their last five minutes of life um, in the academy because they want to know that you're going to do this. You're going to be you're, this is your job now. And I watch guys get up and leave that room and quit because even officers lose their weapon. And that's the highest skill. Now, that's just one topic. And to be able to answer this stuff and create multiple multitude of structured curriculum for specific markets is why we are different. We have 12 divisions. From teaching the 10-week academy, one-day camps, teen and college safety, uh, protection specialist, real estate safety and self-defense, active shooter. Each one of those, we market test in multiple areas before we release it to our owners. Each one of those makes its own revenue stream. And I'm not talking nickels and dimes. I'm not talking $89 a month. We have Fortune 100 companies stroking large checks uh, for our services. And that's, that's not to impress, impress you. It's to impress upon you. The structure in which we teach really um, uh, separates what we do from a lot of guys. So if I tell people all the time, if you call a school, one of the things you should ask is, where is your curriculum coming from? Can I see it? Do you have lesson plans on an ongoing basis that are structured? And do students get something? Do I get a manual? Do I get a, a training format? Because Oh, you guys all, all too often know that it's a lot of teaching behind the curtains five minutes before class. Not everyone. There's a lot of great systems and styles out there. But the challenge is the industry leads with uh, we have the best technique. I train with so-and-so. No one cares. Like I, I'm a Joe Lewis black belt. I'm a Jim Graydon black belt. When I open my school, who? What? That only matters to us. So I couldn't make money as a specific black belt. I couldn't make money as in good money. Does that make sense? Paying all your overhead, paying all your bills, having disposable income and not a second job. So Cobra was actually created because I love martial arts, but I was not servicing all the adults I wanted. Kids are kids flood in schools because parents don't discipline them or they need an activity. But the one thing that we ask owners on a, on a, Every time they call, and I talk to owners all over the world. So we're in about 20 countries and then 40 states inside the United States with well over 120 active locations. We have that intimate conversation. And I ask them, when is the last time someone called that was an adult and they specifically said 15 adults in a month and specifically said, I want to train, insert your style here. I want to train with you to black belt. 
And we have that conversation. It's painful when you have a guy that's been in the arts for 35 years and he doesn't have a working business model. And he's a grandmaster, but he's a broke grandmaster because he just took what he saw. And now he went into business because anyone can do this. Anyone can open one of these businesses. And uh, he's got a great sidekick and he's got great lineage and great form and technique, but he doesn't know how to make money doing it. So to answer you specifically, our law enforcement platform is so successful because you remember going to high school, college or playing a sport or if you're in the military, this is what I'm talking about. I can take a group of 30 people ranging from stay at home mom, college kid that's in shape, 77 year old, and I can train them all at the same rate. And that's the academy format. When I was in the police academy, I was in there with the stay-at-home mom that wants a job, the person that doesn't want to be an accountant anymore, the kid that just got out of college, the guy that just got out of the Marines. And how do we all become deputies at the same time and at the same rate? It's a specific um, training format, and it's very market-friendly because now, you know, what's the student experience when they join a martial arts school? For the most part, it's scary. Take your shoes off, put this uniform on, stand at the end of the line. You're going to, you know, you've been told it's going to take years to get anywhere. And while not taking anything away from the arts, because I, you know, I owned a martial arts school, but I I wasn't getting the adults or the corporations calling me that I wanted. So I literally uh, wrote the curriculum in my patrol car on break or between calls. I started scratching it out and it it was a hit locally. And now I went from 10 students on my deck, my martial art deck to um, standing room only. And so what we figured out, Ali, is COBRA is an entry program. You know, we all teach combatives. Does that make sense? Yeah. But yeah. I, I, you know, the, the, the mother that is accosted at Walmart, you know, and almost gets into an altercation does not, what we have found, they do not run home and Google, I want, I want Kung Fu or I want Tai Chi because they have to learn about what that is first. So Cobra allows them to get into a self-defense, structured, non-intimidating, exciting way to learn, real self-defense, uh, derived from law enforcement training. That's really appealing. After our first academy, people were going, well, what's next? And so we learned how to create a transition program, very specific, with letters and calls, and they got them into the martial arts. So ultimately, I I only created COBRA because I loved the martial arts and I wanted more students. And they don't care about what martial art you teach after COBRA. They just want to stay with you. Think about it. It's a – you get – that much face time with that many adults. So if we teach a six hour one day camp, you're literally able to sell your services and impress these people for six hours um, with your skill set and with your knowledge and you win them over with your professionalism and they want to stay with you as opposed to you get that quick phone call and email. Hey, you teach martial arts. Um, how much is it a month? Well, this is, and then it's over in you know a couple minutes. All right. You get face time with them. You get exposure. And that, that's how we're uniquely different. People gravitate towards it. And then whatever program our school owners have, and we have some serious traditional school owners all the way to people who's never been in a martial art because it doesn't matter. This isn't any type of traditional martial art. Um, and the range that we teach, just just the range. We teach SWAT teams like the Richmond uh, County, Virginia SWAT team. We teach Royal Caribbean, Verizon, all the way down to the Girl Scouts of America, Special Olympians, and Cerebral Palsy Association. So we the range at which we teach allows us to – flood the market with our services. Let me piggyback on that just a bit. My wife has zero martial arts background. When she saw the COBRA program, she took to it like water instantly. That was it. She was absolutely, um, truly immersed in it and has completed, Chris, what, six or seven 10-week academies? I mean, And took the instructor course, yes. And took the instructor course as well. She would never, ever be caught dead in a gi. Let me just tell you that point blank. That's what got me in trouble with some gear companies. I started saying that the martial arts uniform is the ugliest looking fitness outfit in the world. Uh, and she seems to agree, and a whole lot of other people do. However, man, Cobra is Cobra is just so bullseye-centered. And here's what happens in class. And I'm going to tell you this from my vantage point of, of videotaping and watching all of these classes she was in. It takes two, three years to create tremendous, deep emotional loyalty to an instructor, martial arts school. Typically, it's brown or black belts. When you really get to that point, you get to the inner, inner circle. In COBRA, Chris has designed this so brilliantly that there are drills and scenarios that he does or they do or we do in the first or second class that are so emotionally powerful 
that I have watched students at the second class walk up to him with credit cards and say, what's next? I want to sign up now. This was on the second class of a 10-week program. These people wanted to enroll. They want to make sure that they don't miss out on what's next after one simple class. I'm so impressed. Also, one of the most... um one of the things that we do that I don't think I've seen anyone else do, they do that. That's great. But I know that it's a unique uh, it's a unique thing that uh, Cobra owners do and instructors. Most self-defense and martial art uh, facilities, you're on the mat before I mean, within five minutes. We do a power demo or an orientation. So we download the software because these people come in thinking they're going to carry a gun, use keys, pepper spray works. Um, I'm going to I'm going to call 911 uh, and then. After that hour or that 45-minute presentation, then you're ready to train because we have to rewire them. I mean, for instance, one question I asked my audience, do you know what separates self-defense from everything else? Everything else, uh, MMA, whatever you can think of, how is self-defense unique? Uh, no one's ever answered it, Ali. And I've, I've done this on AT&T Stadium. I've done it all over the world. So are some of our instructors. No one's ever got it the first time. Someone might yell out the element of surprise. Well, break that down for me. It's the time, place, and method of attack. Criminals hold that even against me or law enforcement, anyone. They control the time, place, and method of attack. It's a formula. So even that gold nugget, we we want them leaving empowered that night. I know things that I didn't know, uh, things that I, I thought I couldn't do but I can do, things that I thought would work absolutely did not work. And we don't demonstrate on other Cobra instructors in a a pre-rehearsed manner. We call people out of the audience that we don't even know that are in class and they always work. For instance, a cell phone demo. People think they can get a cell phone out. We ask them, how many feet do you need to get the cell phone out? And just dial 911, describe what I look like and where you're at. It's pretty simple drill. Uh, We put a lime green, electric green cell phone with buttons, not the, uh, the smartphone with the flat screen, We put it in a bag facing up, best conditions possible, well lit, and you know I'm coming. They'll say 15 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet. No one gets the bag out or gets the phone out of the bag. And if they do, they're calling 911 in a panic. They have 11 minutes to spend with me, the bad guy. Because law enforcement, they don't fall out of the ceiling. They're they're on their way, and it takes about 11 minutes on a national average. So that orientation really rewires them and gets them ready for the training. Awesome. Let let me interrupt, Dwayne. Do you have anything to add to it? this so far? No, uh, I, I mean, I've got a couple of things to say, maybe a little bit towards the end, uh, just because I have uh, uh, quite a few of Chris's products. And um, I, I'll i just give my review towards the end here, because, okay. uh, yeah. So, so Chris, I love what, what I'm hearing, because, and John knows me, I think way back when, when we first met, you know, I was a very traditionalist, John was kind of like, you know, talking about the non-traditional methods and, you know, all of that. And we kind of clashed a little, but in a friendly way. And we debated back and forth on in different articles. But I've always been the self-defense person in my mind. Like for me, and I'm going to ask you a few questions that maybe you could just clarify. It'll help help uh, promote what you're saying as well. Um, for us, though, in the world we live, I think we, we live in this world where people are always constantly in the ostrich syndrome, I call it, where they believe if they could stick their heads deep enough in the sand, um, they, will, they won't be attacked. I'll give you, for example, my, my daughter's been training since she's two. She's 19 now. And um, she kind of thinks that if she doesn't accept the fight, it probably won't happen. Like, in other words, someone can attack her um, and, and hurt her. Um, as long as she doesn't accept, you know, she thinks it's like a call out, you know, so she's still got that mindset that if, if she doesn't want to fight, she won't right. And we know that reality is, is violence. So here's my point. There are so many people, even adults of the majority of adults that are just too afraid to, to actually get themselves to the point where they could hurt another individual use self-defense. And I, and I even see that, you know, with a lot of law enforcement, they don't know how to manipulate a person, pin a person down, use come alongs, wrist locks, strikes, whatever the case may be to subdue an opponent. So when it gets down to the nitty gritty, it's just blunt force trauma a lot of times for people. Right. So what's your thought on um, how to get people out of that mindset of that? It won't happen to me. And I don't really need to do this because I'm probably in the 1% I'll ever get attacked. And how do you get them to understand that they need to somehow conjure up that violence to be able to defend themselves? And I mean that in a, I always say this to my students, you know, you have to be able to be violent in order to defend yourself. You can't be that loving, caring person who doesn't want to hit someone if they're trying to hurt you. But a lot of people fall into that category where they, they just don't have it in them. 
to actually defend themselves. So, so give us some insight on that and the shift of mindset, how Cobra sets people up for that. If, if that's a legitimate question, I don't know. Oh, by, by all means. Um, so on day one, we go over the criminal mindset, what they're looking for. So we describe, we really outline the lion hunting the gazelle. They got to know who's out there. And we talk about real stories, real articles. We talk about how much crime there is in the world. But we also talk about uh, only 3% of the population commit most of the crimes. Right. And we talk about the fact that you have insurance on your vehicle that's depreciating right now as I'm speaking, your house, your cell phone, even your pets have insurance. And then we establish that, does anyone in here have the ability to, sur- to survive a violent attack until law enforcement get- gets here? And hardly anyone raises their hand. And I said, that's not your fault. It's not taught in schools at you know eighth grade, your high school, college, it's not taught. Then you become an adult, you're jingling your, chi- your keys, you're walking out to the Applebee's, it's 9.30 at night, and all of a sudden you feel a sensation upside your head and you're looking up at someone you've never met. Now, in order for you to get back to all the things you love, and we describe all the things they love, because the criminals don't care about your car, your money, your potential, your religion, your kids, they don't care about it. They want to take it. Uh, how do you get out of that situation? So we really describe you have to have the ability and willingness to do this. And then our training is very specific. You're right. In in the police department, we would do uh, shoot house uh, exercises. And my, my third call as a police officer, I was in, it was a shooting. It was an active shooter situation, dead bodies, all that. But in training, I found myself doing something uh, strange. So I have my gun and I'm, I'm you know, challenging my partner. He's another cop. He's all suited up. And when he wouldn't uh, obey my orders, what did I do? Instead of shooting him in the head where he had the plastic helmet, I lowered my weapon and I shot him in the leg. Why? Well, I've never shot anyone in anger before, right. but I learned how to do it. So the, the, the law enforcement model is scenario training. So scenario training is it takes the if you have martial arts skills and you do scenario training, it's like the second battery in the remote. One won't work. You need both. So if I'm on the range and I'm shooting paper, I'm killing paper. I got this 45 caliber and I'm shooting, shooting, shooting. Now look at me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bull. I'm a great shot. Take the gun and the same person go out there and be in a, a shootout for the first time. Right. It doesn't translate. So if I got a great round kick, a great cross, all these techniques that work in real life, but I use them in a controlled manner, not being harassed, yelled at, not, uh, not giving the mind the exposure that this, this is real. The people yelling and screaming, then your hands feel big. You can't hear. You can't see. You're looking through straws. That's yeah. why the translation of uh, skill, gross motor movement, to reality, uh, should, you know, it's, it has a low percentage of effectiveness if you don't do a lot of scenario training. And I give students this example. If you're at the, uh, uh, let's say, amusement park, we've all done this. We go down the roller coaster. You go to the kiosk. And what's your face look like? You look ridiculous. About the second or third time, you're going, hey, the camera's coming up. Your mind adjusts. It goes, oh, I've been here. This is very familiar. Don't shut down. So it allows you to use your physical techniques in real life. So the scenarios we create, uh, that's why the students can go, you know what? I did hit that guy in that scenario. And after, at the end of every drill and scenario, we close their loop. Ask, analyze, praise. Tell me about your scenario. Good. Did you hear the color that was called out? Uh, I think it was green. No, it was pink. But you did use Palm Hill strikes when he went in the room. Very good. Ask, analyze, praise. It closes the loop and it, everyone claps for him and it, and it allows that person to go, I not only can I do it, I just did it. Right. So, and I, I'll tell you one more story. In the sheriff's department, I, uh, they do a patrol intervention technique, which is a pit maneuver. It's how you run people off the road. Right. Before you go do it for real in a real cruiser, they take you to a, a track. Um, and they, they have these old cars and they have these huge bumpers on them and they put you in a helmet and for a full seven hours, you're running cars off the road, nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. It's not, it's not a real pursuit, but it's really happening. So the first time I had to really run, run somebody off the road, I felt, I think I could have been drinking my coffee and do it. And so it made me comfortable doing something for the first time when it is actually happening outside the training environment. Let me follow up for a second, Ali. Sure. Your question really was, how do you get someone to realize the need for self-defense, essentially is what you were saying. And there's two segments to that. One is the person that maybe finds themselves in an environment at the office where Chris or one of the Cobra guys are coming in and do a seminar. So you've got this guy or this girl, and they're looking at you 
They're not committed yet. They have very little interest. They have to be there, so they're going to sit through it. But Chris has these brilliant demonstrations and myth-busting processes in the power demos, what it's called, where people quickly realize how vulnerable they are. For instance, as he mentioned before, the 9-11, or the, the 911 call. Now, how far away from you do uh, I need to be from you for you to get that phone out and make the call without me getting to you? I'm not going to touch you. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to come to you, and then we go. But you know what? This is really important. The person on the stage certainly is having the most acute experience, but everybody in that room is sharing it with them. You can feel the adrenal pumping in everybody in that room. It's so powerful. So this is this is step one. This takes the this guy, oh, I don't need this, to, whoa, holy cow. I never thought about it. I, I never. So then we go to the first class, and Chris yeah. mentioned the orientation. And the demonstrations amp up a little bit there. So it's, it's all about penetration of the logical mind, the, the conscious mind, and then going to the emotional subconscious mind. That's when it gets hooked in. That's very much like where black belts are at about their style, about their school, about their instructor. They're mentally, emotionally hooked in. In Cobra, it's done in minutes. Yeah, the, the one thing, like let's say the cell phone demo. When you become the authority on something, in, we, we never use other instructors. We never use a scripted demonstration. We use people that you just meet. Now, I can't get a cell phone out. You think you're going to get your pepper spray out? You think you're going to get your gun out? All right. Then you have to remember, is it on safety? Is it loaded? Is there one in the chamber? So you can't get a cell phone out under perfect conditions. Let's let's not hold on to all these holy grails of, you know, so basically you're telling them all these things that you came in thinking are going to work are useless. And we just showed you real time. These are facts. These aren't scripted. You're the one that that failed in this demo and everyone out there. Then we go and we reverse it. I'll ask about three or four women. Listen, I want you to answer this the way you would answer uh, answer the question without an instructor standing in front of you. I wrap your hair up and put the knife up against your throat. And I say, get in the car before I push this through your throat. One might say I'd slap it away. Well, I'm, you don't know how to defend against a knife. So I'm going to start cutting you. But the majority of the women say, well, I get in the car. Then we do a demonstration and I'll do it with the biggest guy in the room and I'll do it with a female. I said, I'll, I'll tell them, rob me, put the knife up to my neck and just start demanding my property. If I do anything funny, Show the audience that you can take this rubber knife and cut my throat. 100% of the time, and I even do it with watercolor markers, I grab the knife before they can do it. And I let them know, can I do that because I'm a black belt or self-defense guy? No, all of you can do it. Everyone in this room can do what I just did. Now would you get in the car? So you let them know that you know nothing about this. After that first 30 to 45 minutes to an hour, uh, they leave wanting more because what they saw was real. They don't, you know... Our demonstrations are a little bit different. They're real time and they give real information on safety and security. A, uh, you know, I've been in the martial arts a lot. Some of those demonstrations are kicking boards. They're, they're more spectator. Look, he can use that weapon like it's his hand. They broke boards. Fantastic. And let's keep moving. So those are two different types of demonstration. Does that make sense? And Absolutely. one rule of demonstrations is no rehearsals. No, yeah. no fight scenes. Well, listen, um, I, I love like Chris, as you're talking, you know, I this is kind of my world. I really love what you're saying, because, I, you know, I've trained with, uh, you know, the police officers, Navy SEALs. I've done I've gone through shoot houses. In fact, I went through a shoot house where they, you know, they walk you through. They before you go in, they say this is the scenario. And and, you know, they walk you through and they're hooked to your belt. And um, they once said to me, they said, listen, you, you came home, your doors wide open and there are people in house with your family. So I walked through the shoot house and everybody I shot. I, I killed every pop-up that there was. And they said, but you killed the guy with a cell phone and you killed the guy with a, you know, a booklet. I said, they weren't my family. They had no right to be in my house. And the guy said to me, oh, you must be from New York. Right. And I'm like, well, you told me the scenario that they were in there with my family, you know? So I basically went through and did what I thought should be done. Right. You know, I acted and reacted the way I felt. And, and that's, what's missing in this world, especially in the martial arts in general. I mean, I, I watch real good martial artists, like John had said, talented quality, masters 
that really have no clue how to actually defend themselves. And it's sad because we train our whole lives with this illusion that we should be able to defend ourselves. And I've seen, I watched a guy used to do this most beautiful Aikido in tournaments and demonstrations. And then one time him and another guy got in a fight, an argument, and they ended up in an actual fist fight. And it looked like six-year-old girls slapping at each other. I mean, it was amazing. It blew my mind that how this guy who was so graceful and deadly two seconds ago fought like a little girl in, in a real fight, right? And, and you probably heard, I'm sure you did, is the OODA loop, right? The OODA loop, the, you know, observe, orientate, decide, and act, right? That's like the military terminology. That's what you're talking about, getting people with scenario training to be able to orientate, you know, observe what's going on, orientate themselves to the situation, decide, and act. Most people are frozen in indecision and action, right? They these when they're not trained properly. So um, maybe you could just give us a quick point on that. We're, by the way, we're running, not running out of time, but we're moving quickly through our time. So we'll get to some of your other questions. Yeah, two, two things. Uh, one of the first, go ahead. I just want to make sure we do hit upon the business of self-defense. I know yeah. a lot of people are tuned in specifically for that. We've been hitting self-defense itself hard, but how do you turn this into a business? Okay. So let's answer that one question I just asked and we'll jump into that, John. Uh, the first scenario, we demonstrate how clueless people are in self-defense by sim simple means. We'll run them through a scenario, and in that scenario, we're hitting them in the back with a foam baton, and we're yelling out random colors. And then at the end, we ask them, did you feel any sensation maybe on your legs? No, I didn't, I didn't feel anything. And the whole audience can see that we're using the baton. What was your color? I don't know my color. Um, so we demonstrate how shut down you are. Right. Uh, the next one is also, what's the opposite of aggressive? Do you know how many people – allow someone to use the 26 letters of the human alphabet, the English alphabet to almost cost them their life, if not cost them their life. So you can't arrange any amount of words to get me to jump. I will assess it. Is there, am I in any physical danger? I will control it. It's called act. It's a real short protocol. We have a lot of different protocols to keep people safe. They can remember, stay in control, AC. And then think, what's the upside to getting out of my car because that guy flipped me off. People die on a daily basis uh, at the hands of people that they never met before. And if they could walk away, they would never meet again. Down here in Florida, a guy died from texting in a movie theater. Didn't just stop texting. He wouldn't stop texting. He got up, walked over, bang. So the the power to check your ego at the door is a skill set all its own. I got called every name in the book and some names I've never heard before. You know, being a cop, you know, I'm a pig, I'm a this, I'm a that. Being a corrections officer in the jail with them, you get called everything. I'm going to find your wife when I get out of here. You got to control that and not, yeah. you know, not lose your job. So, so those are two things I wanted to talk about, and then we can move on to the business. Yeah, well, let me ask this question, um, and this has, goes right into the business, anyways. Um, how do you, how do you guys, you know, deal with the, I would say, ego for most of us martial artists that we believe that we are actually teaching uh, self defense. So why do I need? Um, you, Chris, as the expert telling me how I should actually be teaching it, uh, you know, and, I, and maybe you can't necessarily uh, totally give me a demonstration just on this video. But if you can articulate it enough for me to get the buy in now, to be quite honest with you, I'm coming from just so everybody knows, I'm coming from a standpoint that that I already have a buy in with what Chris does. Um, like I said in the beginning of this call. Um, and, I'll, and I'll just give you a, a beautiful accolade with regards to the whole bullying uh, program that you had put together, because just just uh, um, the whole letter series that parents uh, can get, you know, so, how, you know, the, the, the stair steps with regards to how do you approach the teacher and then how do you approach the principal? And then just the just that is such a beautiful thing. But anyways, um, so I'm, I am a little biased when when I'm asking these questions. So I just want to make that quite clear but how do you how do you talk to a school owner that thinks that well you know look i already teach self-defense i already got a school i you know my ego is this like how do you how do you do that if you're not one of the biggest things you have to have coming on board is you have to think outside your gate you can be your own you can be the master of your own domain uh you can be sitting on your own throne but when you walk out that door what are your real credentials what organization now you not everyone has to be a cop or have worked in maximum security or been in lots of uses of force you don't need that but you need to plug into a, a resource that has and it has to be structured just be just because um you now we're a business model we're not another paper certification and that's what a lot of guys in this industry are hunting for i got 40 certifications back here but how many adults do you have coming through the door i this was my career 
dealing with violence, criminals, talking to victims. So let's take the bully program. The reason we're qualified to teach the bully program, and uh, we also let people know, I'm not, I, I know guys that can kick a quarter off your head and not touch your hair. That's not us. The bully manual is 225 pages. If you go to a lot of martial arts schools and not, they'll say, well, we have a bullyproof program. First of all, you can't bullyproof anyone. Say so the second period, your kid gets slapped in the face. Where are you? You're going to magically appear and stop that? I didn't have a bulletproof vest. It was bullet resistant. So it's a, we create a family plan. We have incident um, log sheets. You've read it. We have certified letters that teachers get. Because I worked in the juvenile detention center. I spoke to victims, bullies. I, I did all that. I go to I go to Largo Middle or, or wherever it is, and, hey, this kid beat this kid up. I get the story. I understand, I understand the landscape of crime, criminal intent, why people do what they do, and the threshold for pain. So if when you spray someone in the face with pepper spray and they take off and they're dodging traffic, you're like, okay, there's a tolerance to pepper spray. Uh, it, so it's not the end-all, be-all for self-defense. When you've been in, you know, those shooting situations, when you get to talk to the who is the end result that we're trying to prepare people for for self-defense criminals. And when you do this for a living and you talk to them, you arrest them, you subdue them, you chase them down, you can formulate and create a program that deals solely with self-defense. Now, another thing that we're uh, very unique with is all of our divisions have so much structure that we have curriculum. We have the student manual, active shooter manual, bully manual. Standard operating procedures. You jump on board. There's no guesswork. You don't open a school and wing it um, and do what your instructor did, whether he was successful or not. And I know a lot of guys that are very, very, very successful, but how many adults are coming into your school? How many families are signing up for personal safety and protection? How many large companies like Royal Caribbean are calling and going, we need this training? I'm like, I know because people sneak alcohol on your boats. They can most certainly uh, sneak a gun on your boat. So Talking to people from Australia, London, New Zealand, the Yukon, we're in the Grand Caymans, we're all over. It's the same story. So we can put that together and go, okay, the landscape is this. Struggling instructors that, you know, they have all this overhead. And we have very successful owners that have no schools. We have guys that are quitting their nine to five very successful jobs that they've had for decades because every market that we put it in works very well. They get their manuals. They get hundreds of videos, tons of resources and support. So that's how we're different. We come from legitimacy, not not something we thought up, not a Xerox copy of a Xerox copy of a Xerox copy. Uh, that's what I did. And that's what I put in a structured format that anyone can teach. My name's not on the Cobra logo. It's it's a brand. I mean, so if a guy in Canada purchases a Cobra, he gets 12 manuals immediately. He gets a 90-day action plan. Uh, we have a launch team. This is what you need to do. He gets his own custom website. Uh, and Here's a, for instance, we get guys calling panicked. I got the largest school in um, the state of Virginia calling me for Cobra. We just landed that largest private school in the state of Virginia now offers our curriculum. Um, why? Because it's, it's easy to follow. Class one, class two, class three. You don't have to spend a lot of time throwing jump spinning round kicks like martial art guys can. Uh, if you can't teach, if you can't walk out with striking skills, that class that work, you shouldn't be teaching it in a self-defense class because, as you know, there's a lot of technical stuff you learn in the martial arts. Well, the woman that wants self-defense now doesn't have the time to do that. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And, the, and I re- really to compliment you and how you put it together, it's so easy to follow. Um, and the videos and everything else that comes along with it, it's a no it's it's really is a no brainer. Now, I feel inadequate in asking maybe the right questions. And so, uh, John, I, I, I'm kind of curious, what questions am I not asking that I should be asking so that school owners can get the real answer? Well, I would, I would start with, this is to Chris and, and somewhat brief, what are the common mistakes that instructors make when they're trying to sell and teach self-defense? They serve spaghetti and pancakes. The headlines that I use in the real estate is that we're not going to teach you karate. You're not going to have to learn karate. We're just trying to take the martial arts out of the equation. So go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. If if you bring in a – so if they're teaching Cobra and martial arts, is they're just teaching self-defense? Either way. Okay. So the lack of structure. Thursday night self-defense class. Okay. That – Where's the structure? Where's the orientation, understanding how criminals think? Why are you a soft target? Uh, how are you making yourself a soft target? Uh, and, you know, how the bad guy's approaching you, all the way to how to stand. I tell the yeah. class on day one, all right, 
everyone get into what you think is a fighting stance. Everyone does this. Well, no, there's a passive stance and then an active stance. And then we start talking about pre-attack indicators, and then we go into striking, then we go into edge weapons and then firearms. So it's linear. There's a starting point and a structured ending point, uh, just like that, that um, TV show, The Biggest Loser. The reason it was successful is because it had a beginning and it had a goal. They're going to graduate the academy or their one-day camp. Uh, but if you're just going to the gym to work out and there's no real structure, and that's where a lot of guys fall short. It's not that the, the tactics that they're teaching are, are poor. They just You're not giving the student an experience. And when I was in the police department or high school or college, it's an experience. There's a beginning and there's a goal at the end, just like in the martial arts. There's a white belt. And there's a black belt. These students want to wear that gold logo at the end of their 10 weeks or get that certificate at the end of the one day. Yeah, yeah I was going to speak academy really critical here. You have to understand there's an end. There's an end. I'm not joining a martial arts school that wants me to stay with them forever and go through these belts and these exams. I know that I'll do 20 hours and then it's over with. So it's not, that's a very controlled environment and experience. So Chris, in your experience, regarding working with owners give us the ideal person to succeed with cobra is it someone who's highly skilled is it physical you know the business sharps or sharp or they just really accept what you teach without question it follows i want to finish i want to finish answering the other question with a couple quick points uh, a lot of the things that um, instructors do poorly is they cussing at their students uh, competing with their students, uh, you know, they, they don't take themselves as a, you know, as a, as a professional. I don't, you know, value their skill set or, or, or what they, their service. And that's, unprofessionalism is rampant in the industry. And that's some of the bad stuff, um, just to finish that uh, question. But the ideal person, what we have found, the hardest individuals to work with are the lifelong martial art uh, instructors that will not flip the switch and go, I need to change. My wife's yelling at me. I'm not bringing home enough money. I'm struggling to make overhead. I've been doing this forever. They love to do it, but for some reason, they think if they grasp onto something else, they would be admitting that they did something wrong. No, you bring Cobra in because you love your martial art and you want to teach more people. So that's that's the hardest ones to work with. The easiest are the clean slate. The guy that gets out of the military. We have um, we have a, a police chief in Ohio. We have. Um, a, ser- a sergeant major in Tennessee, they're segueing out of their career and they, this is their new career. They're a clean slate. We have, you know, females, you know, that in the police department on qualification day, some of the best shooters were females because they didn't have bad habits. They didn't watch Miami vice. They weren't holding the gun like this or cup and saucer. They didn't know anything until a professional taught them. So they became some of the best shots. So if you can think outside your gi and, you can follow the playbook. Everything we do and everywhere we put it, people make a lot of money if they will if they will read the instructions and use the resources. So you have two types of owners. They look at the box and they try to build it, and it doesn't work right, and there's some leftover parts. And then you got the guy that, okay, this is how you do it, all right? And if you read the instructions and go over the playbook, the business takes off. Hey, um, I was going to say this is, you know, and it's not, I mean, the money is important, and I and I I'm not saying that you're belittling this other part, but you are with the with the program that you have, you are able to uh, help so many people um, in a like you had brought up in a structured way, strategically building them up through that process where it's not just a uh, a flu shot, <laughs> you know, uh, type thing where it's just going to cover them for a season. And and I I don't know if that's coming off correctly, but uh, I guess that's the way I look at it is it's a, it's it's such a strategic approach from so many collective angles with regards to the teaching mythology that goes along with it. So it's not just, you know, the techniques that are used. It's why they're used. It's the you know, it's not just, you know, surveying a scene and understanding what this scene or scenario is. It's just such a broader um concept that you're teaching am i am i relaying this correctly the sequences the sequences of what is taught because they build upon each other and it's highly effective in that regard sorry chris go ahead no that's right Uh, and and i wrote a book called the psychology of self-defense that doesn't have one picture technique in it we don't even i don't believe we even talk technique we talk about psychology the hunter and the hunted the, the sheep and the sheep dog because once you know about the other team you're halfway there. Most people don't understand 
how the criminal thinks. They're, they're criminals 24-7. That's all they think about is how to get over on people like me and you, you know, law-abiding citizens. So you have to really help them understand that these people are out there. This is what they're capable of. This is what you can't do. You can't protect yourself or your family right now. So that book, you know, it's, it's issued to a lot of law enforcement agencies, uh, women shelters, you know, people that have been victims of crimes because it helps them. Okay. Let me wrap my head around the reality of what's out there, what I can and can't do. And here's some resources to help you. CrossFit is now doing after school programs. Could CrossFit offer Cobra? Absolutely. hundred percent. It's fitness. Fit, fitness marries. Well, we have a fitness division, Cobra Fit. It's fitness kickboxing on bags after my kickboxing background. So health and wellness marries well together. So if you're trying to get in shape, you're really concerned about your well-being. And I believe that that's I mean, I owned a, I owned a martial arts school where we in the beginning, fitness saved us. A lot of people want to do fitness and they would ultimately carry over to the martial art deck. Well, let me ask let me ask this question then. Uh, if if a school owner is interested uh, in getting involved in Cobra, uh, one, I guess, how would they go about doing it? And two, is it uh, uh, is there a selection process where they have to, um, you know, be, become certified? I mean, how does that all work? And then if there's two schools, let's say a, a, a CrossFit school and a martial arts school in the same area that want to do it, how does that work? You have an exclusive area. So what we've found is if you have a highly populated area, the more Cobra schools, the better, because you're all advertising the same market. So what they do is they they go to self-defense certified. They create an account. They can check it out for free. We send them a, a starter email. You know, welcome to the club. These are some of the clients we've worked with. This is the stuff we do. They can elect to do the certification. It starts online because the old days of okay, I'm going to wait till August to go to the certification. I get my sheet of paper and I'm never contacted by this group again. Those kind of days for, we do it different. There's still organizations out there that do this, but this is that, that head start. So we have, for instance, we have a guy in South Africa who is, he's killing it. And he just flew over here just to visit me, but he never did the hands-on training because our online portal is so extensive. That and the fact that the guys can call us. Do you know how many times we get a phone call and they just, I want to, I just wanted to hear a voice because in the industry, there's a lot of, you sign up for this, you get a couple automated emails. You don't get to talk to real people. Our vice president will call you. I will call you. We'll inbox and message and we'll, we'll do a ton of online um, consulting and over the phone consulting, but they go to self-defense certified. They do all of their mandatory tests. Then we get on the phone with them and begin getting them in the right direction, going over their 90 day action plan, the instructor checklist, uh, it's that simple. And we are selective. I've fired, I can't tell you how many instructors. Some it's not it's not a fit for, for some guys. And we we have a standard, a high standard. And uh, we you know we we hold our guys to that. Now when you say a standard, are you talking about there needs a standard as which with regards to obviously uh, uh, their conduct and what have you, but is it a income standard too? No, no, no. You you're so some of the guys they'll come on board and they they're doing it part-time so they get part-time results. They don't want to break away from their uh, day job or they have a karate school. They're struggling. The wife's maybe paying the bills, but we got to do everything we can to keep the school open. And then they bring Cobra in. And once again, they're staring at the box, staring at the box. All of a sudden they crack it open and, or they get a call because our SEO is huge. I mean, we get calls from all over the United States and all over the world uh, for all of our different programs. And they'll ask, is there a, uh, is there one in Kansas city? Can I go to this training center? So he'll get a call and all of a sudden he takes it serious. I just got a call from a major corporation or the news is coming out. We're on, we're in the news 65 times in 2017, 55 in 2016. And I can't, I don't have a running total for this year, but the news corporations, clients, they'll, they'll find a center that's on the map. And if they're not taking it serious, all of a sudden they sit up and go, wow, I got, I got some big business coming my way. I got to get with the program. You know, just you know, like my experience with NAMA was that a lot of guys would join and they just thought because they joined and they got the box that that would do it, that the box would just suddenly make everything great. And then they'd call and say, well, this is not working for me. Oh, duh. And I think that's a, a, in many cases what uh, Chris is describing. So clearly there's a, a proven system. It works and it works well. I've never yeah. seen anything particularly in the self-defense realm that is as organized and dummy free as the Cobra business system, but you've got to follow the system. And we also, we do get a lot of guys that come from other 
name a self-defense program out there and we I, I call it the redheaded stepchild syndrome you know they call us and I and we don't I don't care to talk about that I just said tell me your experience can you call someone when you need uh, a media script can you can will they write a curriculum for you for a major client do they have all do they have all the videos and manuals so I we get the information from all over the world about other programs and, and their customer service and how they're treated um, and we we write our course if if we can do something better I always say better is better. Nice. Well, awesome. what's the uh, what's the uh, uh, URL that uh, people can get a hold of you um, if they're interested? Madam members have a special one. John business.com selfdefensebusiness.com. Yeah, you'll save $400 there or you can go to self-defense certified if you're a non-Madam member and it's 949 startup. Uh, then you have your exclusive territory um, and your monthly fee for all of our resources, which is a lot. We have a lot of resources. Well, I'm gonna, I want to add in a few things. First, I, I have to let you know that I'm probably going to steal the, the line that you said, think outside your gi. Yeah. I loved it. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to write an article and a blog post, and Dwayne and I will probably turn that into a conversation as well. And then it's yours. Yeah, but it's so interesting. And um, I love also the wife is paying the bills to run the school. So uh, that's another one. But you, you see, this is the thing, and I just want to kind of – Recap slightly, but also clarify to some of the listeners, because, you know, sometimes you have to say things four or five times. Right. So um, if they're in a school, they they even if their school is successful, they can add Cobra onto their program and be even more successful. Um, If they're having a hard time breaking into the adult market or the the self-defense market, you have a program that's fully set up for them, full support from top to bottom, inside and out, you know, that they could add on to their program. And I want to add this because this is a big issue for many people is that they don't have to sell their identity to be able to add your program in. They don't have to give up what they love, what they do, who they are. Um, there were some other charlatan coaches out there, you know, like, listen, get throw it all away. It all sucks. What I do is right and wrong. You're not saying that. You're saying, listen, I can teach you the ins and outs as if I were to go and, you know, get get a personal coach for business on a specific area, let's say marketing. You're the self-defense guru in that area, and you can help them with that from start to finish. And I love that. I think that's great. So many of the things that being around self-defense people my whole life, teaching law enforcement, working with soldiers, teaching soldiers, a lot of the key points that you said are exactly what I teach in my school, which I love. So that makes, gives me some validation, which is okay. I'm not looking for that, but it tells me that what you're doing is, is real because a lot of the points that people are missing is that the reality part of it, the experience being a a sheriff and and a correctional officer, you've had hands-on experience. You're not a guy who watched his way through a whole bunch of seminar videos and gone to a few seminars. You, and then now as an expert, I I have a student who uh, quit my school at a yellow belt level about eight years ago, who is now a 10th degree black belt. Um, He's far surpassed me in my knowledge and experience within that short amount of time. So, um, but, uh, but you've had the experience and that's so, so important because you've had that hands-on with the criminals, with whoever, whatever situation, and you've added that into your training. So I just wanted to recap that. So all the listeners hear this and they could really add it in. Can I tell you, can I tell you, you, Ali? So, so I got all these instructors in front of me. We're doing a two-day certification. And one of the one of the instructors, they had the question about, um, hey, I got all this competition in my area. I got this. I got uh, I got jujitsu schools. It's real popular. MMA is real popular. And I I remember saying, and I remember uh, you couldn't hear a pin drop after I said this. Jujitsu is a sport. You know that, right? You know, there's rules and, and whatnot. When I was asked 100 police officers or military personnel who have seen action, seen action, I've never tapped out. Criminals don't tap out. That's not what we're talking about. If I get on the, uh, if I start rolling with a guy good at jujitsu, he's going to time you into a pretzel. If I get on the mat with a point point taekwondo guy, he's going to he's going to win a hundred percent of the time because that's not what we do. But you don't get to tap out in real life. So right. why are you concerned with that? You know, if that's something you want to do. Go do it. Those guys are great. But you know that we're talking about a different reality. So the shift in thinking, you could feel it in the room. Right. Now, I would only disagree with you to the point where jujitsu to me is not a sport because I don't do Brazilian jujitsu. I teach 
Japanese jiu-jitsu, right? So there is a clarification. Yeah. There's so, such a vast difference, right? Just like there are some Korean martial arts that are self-defense based, but I'm with you a hundred percent, right? People are learning how to fight within a sport, thinking that they can move it. In fact, I just saw a great video of a cop um, and he was fighting this woman. Um, he was trying to take her down and cuff her. And she was a brute, man. She, so he like fell back and got her in an inverted arm bar and she started pummeling him. And, you know, of course, gear belt, everything. He's on his back laying there while this woman is beating the crap out of him while he's trying to get her in a perfect arm bar. Just not at all reality based, right? So you, I love what you're saying, though. It's all totally reality based. And, and that's people have to understand this. This is the real world. If you want to live at the end of a fight or a defense, you have to know this stuff. And a lot of guys don't even know what their competition is. They're worried about other school owners up, up late at night looking at someone else. Your, your competition is people on Facebook, people sitting on their butt. Um, right. You know, there's more than enough people to go around. So, And if any of the owners want to get the app, uh, Cobra Defense System, it's the gold app um, on the on the Google Play Store or uh, uh, Apple iPhone, you can – all the information on how to be an instructor. We got safety and self defense tips. We got fan club, fan wall. You get a free book, so uh, that's so a good go resource. To, so you go to iPhone, go, go to uh, the App Store, and you can download yeah. the app. What's it called? It's called Cobra Defense. Cobra Defense System. It's the gold app. Miami has uh, our regional um, school. Miami has one, but it's it's a it's a black logo. Ours is the gold logo, and it has all the international stuff and all the locations yeah, on there. Fantastic. So I know, Dwayne, we're kind of like almost done. We have five five minutes before we wrap. So, John, do you have any last things to say? Yeah. Chris, could you give our listeners, and I think they'd appreciate this, an idea of what kind of funds? What what are people paying for a real estate seminar or an active shooter seminar? or a 10-week academy? Let's talk real numbers. A lot of our owners bill more than the most expensive attorney that you can think of. So I go out and do active shooter for 90 minutes. I get paid $1,500. So you can do the math. Real estate, you're doing a two-hour seminar. It's real estate specific. They get We have a manual. They get DVD. We go over because anyone can teach kick and punch, but how do you how do you cater to the real estate agent, you know, that market? It's crime by appointment. So they love it. It's specific to them. We're getting $750 to $1,000 just for that. Uh, when someone signs up for the 10-week academy, it, you're not teaching them five days a week. You're teaching them two days a week or however you can compress the, the 20 hours in there. Ten weeks, two nights a week, $350 a pop. Uh, One-day camps are 99 we're doing the Carewood School here. We're doing Active Shooter in August, $5,000 for staff, parent, and student training. Uh, it's three hours per day for three days. We have all of our corporate pricing structure written out for the owner, so they don't have to go and put the phone down and say, I'll get back with you. You literally have scripted emails. This is what you'll be going through when we come out and do the workshop. Uh, this is you know, this is your line-by-line uh, -line pricing, uh, and, and it works. We've, we've found a way, uh, a price point where people say yes 10 times more than they say no. Right. Yeah, I was just at – I just went to a seminar with uh, Mr. Wonderful from the Shark Tank, right? It was just – it was one of those lead-in seminars. You get to meet him. He was the last 35, 40 minutes, and everybody else was selling a product. It was a, re it was a stock uh, day trader seminar. Once they got past the sales pitch, no joke, four or 500 people in the room stood up and were zipping their credit cards. I was like, I was hearing the cha-ching sound in my head going, oh my God, like how do these people do it? And it was scary. Like, so, I mean, those prices that you mentioned are, are super cheap, you know, for, especially for a real estate company or whatever. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, and what we found is the more we push the price up, the more demand. And I'll tell you a quick story. John was there. We were on AT&T Stadium. I did a 45-minute presentation in the end zone. And this is how much different we are. I'm wearing dress shoes, dress pants, and a polo. And all I brought with me was a bag. Everyone else is in their martial art uniform and there's parents. And I'm the keynote. I do some anti-abduction stuff, all the demos we've done um, uh, you know, from day one. And because I'm not, my school's not in Texas, I point them to our online store. If you want CDs, books, DVDs on all things Cobra, uh, go to CobraDefenseStore.com. No joke, five minutes later, my phone goes off, bing, it's an online store, order's coming in. I made $2,200 that day just by going, this is what we do, you know, taste, touch, and feel it. This is where you can buy something related to Cobra. So, yeah, all of our divisions make different money, um, and it depends on how long we're going to be there, how many instructors you need. Uh, and yeah, our guys are making – I know the Miami Center is at six figures at the beginning of May. He's at $110,000, just Cobra, just Cobra. Beautiful. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's, 
these clients are corporate clients for the most part. It's not their money. It's right, clients. right. That's a big deal. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Uh, let's. We got to wrap it up. But John, give us the uh, the web address for Mata members first. Mata members get a four hundred dollar discount on the Cobra license, and that is at selfdefensebusiness.com. All right, and then Chris uh, for other people. Selfdefensecertified.com. It's selfdefensecertified.com. And if they want to see the national website with all of our media and news stories, they can go to cobradefensesystem.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate you guys uh, taking time out of your day to do this. And if I can give one more plug again, uh, uh, Chris's information is phenomenal. Uh, just, just phenomenal. So thank you very much. And John, uh, I, I appreciate you, uh, uh, being a part of this because uh, you you definitely are a better interviewer than I am, and you ask the the right questions, so I appreciate that. No, I I just I really mean that. Thank you. Hey guys, um, uh, one more thing for the martial art guys out there that have the courage to change. Remember, I'm not saying discard anything you're doing. In fact, I started Cobra in 2002, and I took my last black belt test in 2012. I'm still I'm still and always will be a martial artist. I was getting my face beat in by Joe Lewis black belts, uh, you know, but I. I still do this. I love the martial arts, but I also love making a living doing it. And that's, that's what Cobra's all about. Awesome guys. Thanks for the, thanks for the opportunity guys. Take care everyone.